Welcome to the Animation Podcast, an official podcast of Filmbook. The Animation Podcast is a weekly animation news podcast that reports on the latest animation movie and TV show news. Did somebody say a uh, holly jolly Christmas episode? Uh, epic uh, trailer voice man, come on back in. Come on back in with the, j- the jingle bells. Here he is, everybody. You can't hear him. He, <laughs> he doesn't say anything, but he is standing right next to me. He's got a little Santa hat on. He's saying all the lovely things. He's giving, wishing you happy holidays all around. Um, this is, episode is coming out um, after Christmas has already happened, so... <laughs> So we're late to the game, but I wish you all a happy holiday. This is not a Christmas-themed episode, but this is a Christmas-themed intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Animation Podcast. Ho, 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 a weekly podcast about all things animation brought to you by Filmbook. My name is Ephraim Bernie. If you are tuning into the Animation Podcast for the first time, what I do is uh, I essentially discuss the current week's animation news. Find more the Animation Podcast episodes on Filmbook, that's film-book.com, by using the search term The Animation Podcast. You guessed it. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or another podcasting service, please rate and review this episode. If you are listening to this podcast on YouTube, please like our episode, uh, subscribe, and consider becoming one of our patrons on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash filmbook. Your support helps us create even more engaging content and holiday cheer. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And you know what, if you really wanted to give me a Christmas gift this year, you'd go down in that comment section, or you give it a like, or say so, you, you, tell, you tell them how my voice doesn't sound like I'm a cartoon lizard, even though I know it does. But I'd like to be reminded that it couldn't, maybe, sometimes, every once in a while. Oh, boy. In uh, tippy-top news, we have some more nominees from another awards uh, another awards ceremony, wouldn't you know? Um, I'm going to try and limit my coverage of these award shows just so that I'm not constantly repeating myself, because I feel like the last... Uh, the last two or so episodes have been a lot of that. But I do want to give a special focus on this week's news, um, as these are the nominees for the 49th Annual Annie Awards, uh, which is a ceremony specifically dedicated to animation. So there are plenty of categories and nominees. I'm not going to cover them all, just the, the, the big ones or... I guess the ones that, they're all big, they're all important, but the ones that you might want to be specifically thinking about. And I, I'm not going to do any predicting, uh, since you guys have already heard my takes on most of these films, but to briefly summarize the categories you're probably wondering about, for Best Feature, the nominees are Encanto, Luca, Raya, um, I guess Raya and the Last Dragon, um, fr- uh, from Walt Disney Studios, all three of them are from Walt Disney, Luca's from Pixar, um, and Slash Or, um, Sing 2 from Illumination, and The Mitchells vs. The Machines from Sony and Netflix. You might be noticing a lack of Flea there. Uh, that's not because they didn't like Flea. That is because the next category is Best Indie Feature, and the nominees are Flea from, like, eight different production companies in four different countries, Belle from Studio Chizu, uh, Fortune Favors Lady Nikuko from Studio 4 Degrees Celsius, Pompo the Cinephile from Clap Animation Studios, and The Summit of the Gods, which, like Flea, also has so many different pr- production companies, I'm not going to list them all here, but they're currently it's currently on Netflix. Um, in the realms of TV, they divide the categories by general audience and children's media. They also have one for, like, like baby, like, preschool media, 
I'm not going to go into that one. I didn't know most of those shows. But equally as important. For children, the nominated programs are Amphibia from Disney, Doug Days from Pixar, We the People, um, uh, Carmen Sandiego, and Maya and the Three, all from Netflix. So those are the five for children's media. And then for general audiences, the shows that, uh, that uh, are up for the Little Orphan Annie Award. <laughs> Why did I write that? Um, the shows up for Annie, the Annie Award are Arcane and Love, Death, and Robots from Netflix, Bob's Burgers from Fox, Star Wars Visions from Disney, and Tuca and Birdie from the Brilliant Minds Adder over at the Tornante Company. Um, I'm a big fan of those folks. I've talked about Bob's Burgers over... Well, not Bob's Burgers. Bojack Horseman. I mean, I talk about Bob's Burgers, too. Those are, that's a great show. But Bojack Horseman, I talk a lot about... Um, big fan of those. Um, I'm wishing all of those nominees in all categories across the board good luck coming in. Um, uh, if you're interested at all in the Annie Awards, they are often overlooked in the awards talk, but you can watch them live from their website at theanniewards.com on February 26, 2022. I will most definitely be covering it, so you'll get all my thoughts here on Filmbook. Um... In not moving away from awards, finally, in other news, Bob's Burgers fans, uh, including me just now, <laughs> Bob's Burgers fans might already be realizing the absence of a particularly pompous Italian restaurant owner. Uh, this week we got reports from the Daily Beast confirming that actor Jay Johnston, uh, the voice actor and writer behind characters, the character of Jimmy Pesto. I don't think he wrote anything, but he is a writer and he is the voice actor of Jimmy Pesto. Um, Bob Bur Bob Belcher's rival restaurateur um, has been placed on an indefinite hiatus. With the show stating um, the with no with the show play stating no plans. Sorry, I'm stumbling over myself. It's Christmas Eve. Uh, give me a break. Um, the show has stated no plans in recasting the character either. For those not in the know, this may seem like an odd move, uh, but this has been a controversial year for Johnston, as reports of him being involved in the January 6th Capitol riots have circulated social media for the past 12 months. The character had not been seen on the show since January 6th, but it was only until this past week where sources at Fox confirmed that the character had been shelved due to the allegations against Johnston. Uh, Johnston's, Johnston's involvement at the riots is still unclear. The actor has not been charged or arrested with anything in, the, in that case. Um... And there's a lot of ongoing FBI cases against those rioters. Um, however, there are several convincing photos of someone who looks like Johnston at the riots and other comedy and animation co contemporaries who claim to be close to the actor, like Tim Heidecker from Tim and Eric of all places, have gone on record saying that Jay was there. Uh, these are un all unprecedented times. I don't know if a show has ever had to fire someone because they've attempted to overthrow the government. But I will say... If it is true, it's a very Jimmy Pesto move to try and do that. Um, <laughs> uh, moving over to Marvel, DC, Disney, Netflix, all those folks. Over on the Hulu and Peacock uh, side of things this week, we got the premiere of DreamWorks' most anticipated show in a while, The Dragons, The Nine Realms, a spin-off sequel series to its critically acclaimed hit film series, How to Train Your Dragon. 
I've spoken about this series before. Hell, I even auditioned for it a couple of for a couple of the characters once upon a time. But if you need a recap, the six-part series takes place 1,300 years after the after the How to Train Your Dragon series concludes in a more modern era era where dragons are just legends, or at least they thought they were. Um, but after a group of kids finds the truth about the dragons, uh, they'll have to bond and team up with their new reptile friends. Uh, are dragons reptiles? I don't know. But uh, they take on a big secret that's been hidden with the dragons for all these years. Uh, there's going to be a ton of people that watch this show just on the IP alone. I mean, How to Train Your Dragon is arguably maybe the biggest hit DreamWorks ever had. Maybe Shrek comes close to that. But each one of those sequels made a ton of money and garnered huge critical hype. Um, I have yet to watch this show as of the recording, but from the clips I've seen, I'm not so sure about this one yet, gang. Um, look, I prefer watching clips to trailers. Um, I prefer watching those clips, uh, rather than trailers, I mean, because they're usually a better indicator of what the show is actually going to be like. And for, um, so far, what I'm seeing, right, the animation is looking a little rushed and slapdash. It's, it's hard to articulate it and... Again, I don't have the vocabulary since I have no formal training in animation, so take all of this with a very large pinch of salt. <laughs> but the shot, the shots seem, um, it's, the show seems kind of basic with their framing, right? And the characters have that sort of stilted movement about them where it looks sort of like they'll make an action and then return to a resting pose. This is a strange observation to be making, considering how long the show has been in the works, but it still, it feels as though they didn't have the time they wanted with this one. I, I don't know. It's, you guys have to watch it and make, and let me know. It could also just be me, but the pacing of the dialogue also feels a little bit slow, which is usually an indicator that the animation isn't working in total harmony with the voice actors. Look, ultimately, it's a show about kids with superpower dragons, so it's going to be pretty cool regardless. I'm sure a lot of people will watch it, but these are just some tiny red flags that occurred to me while watching. Um, the show is out now, so you should watch it on your own, make your own decision, give it a watch. It's on Hulu and Peacock. On the Apple TV Plus side of things, while you're checking out the newest Charlie Brown special for Old Lang Syne, you might stumble upon a first looks at their upcoming kids show, El Defo, which premieres on the platform January 7th of 2022. El Defo is a seriously, I mean seriously heartwarming three-part episode series about Cece, a young rabbit girl who finds the superhero residing within her after the loss of her hearing. The series is based on the New York Times number one bestseller um, and Newbery Honor Award winning book called, it's also called El Defo. Um, and it's being helmed by Apple TV uh, Plus kids show alumni Will McRobb, who worked on The Adventures of Pete and Pete and uh, the new Harriet the Spy series that Apple TV just put up. McRobb is slated to executive produce, and he's also a, he also is the writer of the show, the author of the original novel, this is always a good sign, C.C. Bell, who I'm assuming the book C.C. is named after, um, is also, she's also executive producing, as well as narrating the show. So, there will be some honor to the show's original, the book's original vision, hopefully there. Um... The show's CC, however, is voiced by uh, a new young talent, one Lexi Finnegan. Finnegan is going to be sharing the screen with some of my favorite voice actors, uh, Pamela Adlon, Jane Lynch, and Chuck Nice. Um, the visual style of the animation, at least from the trailer, seems to be perfectly replicated from that of the graphic novels. I think this is the kind of representation in... 
this kind of representation, right, it's exciting. It's a new frontier for cartoons and animation. Not only because of different kinds of kids will be able to see themselves in different kinds of characters, but also because, like I've said before, animation allows us to tell stories in ways that are impossible in every other medium. So, look, even if the title might feel a little tone defo, um, I encourage everyone with kids at home to check out El Defo and see what these animators can do with these new opportunities presented to them here. Um, Alright, let's move on to anime news, right? In the world of anime! Good old Santa Crunchyroll has given us their 2020 winter lineup, along with plenty of new trailers and to analyze before these shows hit your screens, right? The big ones that I've already discussed is the final season of Attack on Titan, which comes out on January 9th. On top of that, we got a trailer for the newest Crunchyroll original series, Freak Angels, which premieres all 12 of its episodes on January 27th. Freak Angels is about a group of 12 psychics in their early 20s attempting to rebuild society after the end of the world as we know it. From the trailer, it appears as though the primary location is a flooded and destroyed London, um, which will be interesting to see in an anime setting, at least I think. There are a moment, there is a moment in the trailer where one of the psychic girls says something like, I'm paraphrasing here, but she says something like, This is me, responsibility. <laughs> uh, with like a really heavy Cockney accent. Um, and that did make me laugh a bit. I don't know, uh, hoping that that one doesn't, this show doesn't take itself too seriously, if it's gonna be like that, um, but maybe not, maybe, maybe it's perfectly in tone. Uh, it looks like each of the psychics have different abilities which can combine into different things depending on who you pair them up with, which I think is a pretty smart narrative device that can be used to explore different character dynamics and whatnot, um, we'll have to see what this one ends up with, um, in late January, check it out. Uh, another, other new shows premiering this winter are um, World's End Harem, based on the Shonen Jump manga of the same name, um, My Dress Up Darling, about a shy boy and a popular girl that form a friendship around cosplay that is based on my worst nightmares, and of course, there's the winner of the best anime name of the Animation Podcast Award episode, um, not a real award, but I'm giving one out anyway, um, this goes to life with an ordinary guy who reincarnated into a total fantasy knockout. Um, <laughs> which uh, seems to be about, from the brief description I can read here, um, it seems to be about two dudes that are transported to some alternate universe, and one of them transforms into a beautiful lady. Uh, if any of that sounds interesting to you, uh, those and many more shows will start popping up on your Crunchyroll account within the next few months. Um, in shows returning to Crunchyroll after uh, hit previous seasons, we will continue to get new episodes from Demon Slayer, uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba, Entertainment District, um, Blade Runner Black Lotus, Platinum N from those guys that gave you Death Note, I've talked about that before, also new episodes of Boruto, and uh, One Piece. <laughs> not like it was ever a concern that One Piece would stop giving us new episodes. Also, a big win for anime uh, American anime fans, Bell, um, from the minds of Mamoru Hosoda and the folks at Studio Chizu, uh, was named runner-up at the LA Critics Awards. Uh, the film uh, placed second to the European sensation Flea. <laughs> Feels silly anytime I have to reintroduce that, that movie. Um, placing as runner-up might seem like small potatoes, especially from a smaller awards committee like the LA Film Critics Association, even though... 
they probably are the most important one out of all the film critics associations. Um, but the fact that an Ameri an anime title is beating out heavy American competition this year is something that fans of the genre know is progress. As more and more American audiences start to take anime more seriously, I think this is an occasion that will become less and less rare over the years. Um, that's it for anime. That's it for the anime side of things. Uh, if you want to purchase a ticket, here's my little transition, folks. If you were, Now, if you were to purchase a ticket for a plane trip around the world of foreign animation, then you and then look out your window, you might be a bit disappointed. Um, because this week really hasn't given us much, <laughs> much news um, for outside of domestic and anime. Um, quite possibly because this year is starting to wind down. But, uh, you know, I just couldn't allow there to not be any international animation news for our last episode of the year. So I did some digging, and I found some news that might interest those Francophiles out there listening. After what might, uh, what must have been years of negotiation between lawyers and representatives, the biggest streaming giants of the world have all committed to spending a fifth of the money they make off of the French properties on their streaming platforms with uh, dedicating that money, a fifth of it, uh, to developing locally French projects. Already, Netflix, Disney+, Apple TV+, and Amazon, they have all agreed to these conditions, with probably another five or so more platforms expected to join on before the end of the year. Um, despite being only 20%, that is still a lot of money for French cinema, with Netflix alone projected to invest $310 million per year. That's roughly, give or take a little more or less. Um, still, the devil is in the details with this one, as the, those big chunks of money have a lot of legal bindings um, stipulating where they will be allocated. The SACD, the Society of Dramatic Author, Authors and Composers, but the D is at the end because it's French. Um, the SACD voiced particular disappointment with the percentage of this investment that is dedicated to documentary and animation. Only 5% of that said 20% will be dedicated to and gifted to filmmakers in the documentary and animation sectors, two genres that French's, the, the French hold themselves to great esteem in. Uh, representatives with, uh, from SACD spoke on the animation side of things, stating that the lowly 5% constitutes a real disappointment and lack of understanding from these platforms. That is a direct quote there. Um, still, 5% is better than 0%, and with other countries to follow behind in the precedent that France is setting here, uh, this is likely to pave the way to a renaissance of foreign filmmaking over the next few, uh, over the next few years, I'd say, and foreign filmmaking includes foreign animation, which is good um, because then I'll have more to talk about than these numbers in these in this section of the podcast. <laughs> um, what do I got for you here? Oh, I actually have some a good list of home video and digital HD releases, uh, or at least some news regarding that. Um, it's probably too late for you to get any of these for Christmas. But if look, if you're looking for a late Christmas present. Uh, I have some good news and bad news. The good news is that I have plenty of these releases here for you, for the perfect, uh, perfect for the animation lover. Um, the bad news is that all of them are months away from being available. 
<laughs> so maybe you can uh, give the gift of anticipation this year. As we got news that the early 2000s classic Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius will be getting its Blu-ray high definition at home release on March 8th of 2022. That is almost 21 years later. Wow. I don't know about you, but uh, this is one that I will be snatching up myself. I loved that movie as a young little Ephraim. Um, but look, if it's not for you, uh, you can just wait another week. Um, because on March 15th, uh, that, that is when the 4K Ultra HD disc release of Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie, uh, is coming out. One that I will probably not be picking up, but <laughs> but a fun movie regardless of the fact that Sonic spends, like, most of his screen time going 65 miles an hour in an SUV. I don't know. I've talked about that before. I'll give it a break. Um, or, look, if you want to know what I was talking about last week, you can pre-order a 4K HD release of um, Encanto, which comes out February 8th of next year, so that's a little sooner, huh? But hey, maybe you don't want any of these Western icons. Maybe you just like a little anime. Well, if that's the case, you're in luck because just one week after um, after Sonic, on March 22nd, you can uh, you can be treated to the Blu-ray release of Satoshi Kon's 20, 2001 anime film Millennium Actress. It's the same year as Jimmy Neutron. Wow. Wonder why we're getting all these 2001 classics now. Uh, who knows? Okay, okay, okay. But you're here for a reason. I say it every night. Or at least every night that I do this. Um, <laughs> I say it every night. You're here for a reason, Ephraim. <laughs> it's to do the podcast. <laughs> um, I say it every week that I do this. You're here for a reason. It is for the review. Um, and this week, uh, it is no different. I am reviewing Back to the Outback. Um, just, it's the, the Netflix special, I, I'm a, again, I'm a little late for this one, but, um, it's about the Australian little animals going on, going on their road trip, I'll talk about that more in a second, but to, for some deets, for some specifics, um, it is directed by Claire Knight, this is her directorial debut, but she was an editor on all of the Kung Fu Panda movies and Lego Movie 2, the second part, um, it's also directed by Harry Cripps, um, he is... He uh, is a director and, and, and writer. He wrote uh, The Dry and Penguin Bloom. This one is us. He, oh, okay, so he's also writing. He's listed as a writer here. I think he's the script writer and the story writer. But he shares the story writing credit with Gregor Le Gregory Lessons, uh, mostly a producer on things like Without Remorse and My Best Friend's Girl, though he does have a couple of ri uh, smaller writer's credits there. So everybody, everybody here is kind of coming at it from a new angle. Let's just say that. That being said, it does have a pretty star-studded cast. Um, it stars Isla, Fish Isla Fisher as Maddie, Tim Minchin as Pretty Boy, Eric Bana as Chaz, Guy Pierce as Frank, Miranda Tapsell as Zoe, Angus Imry as Nigel, with Keith Urban as Doug, a singing cane toad, and Jackie Weaver as Jackie, the the matriarch of uh, the matriarchal crocodile. I'm gonna explain all those names. I know I'm saying like they're doing playing this, playing that. That doesn't mean anything to you just yet, but you'll understand in just a bit. Okay. Look, I haven't talked about Back to the Outback too much on this show, besides generally talking about the trailer once and then briefly discussing its awards chances, but I'll keep it a buck with you guys. I did not have high hopes going into watching this thing. 
the trailer seemed to hit a lot of the typical cliche trailer lines. The story was one that I felt like we had seen many times before, and the marketing for this thing, oh my god, that was insufferable. At least for me. I seriously, I saw ads for this thing all over TV. When I would walk outside, I'd see it on the bus. I'd see these characters everywhere. And then when you go on Netflix to watch it, um, they have the characters dancing to that German TikTok song. Um, oh my god. I was very prepared to not, like, back to the Outback. That's what I will say. And, like, I'll admit, I'm walking away from it kind of surprised. It's not by any means a film that is going to affect you to your core, but for a movie that is clearly aimed at kids, I enjoyed the adventure. Um, don't get me wrong, this movie ha owes a lot to Madagascar, and even a bit to The Wild, which I've talked about before, is, you know, The Wild is the lesser known and kind of... Back to the Outback and The Wild share very similar story beats, I'll say that. So they it owes, it owes a lot to those two movies. Um, but... Where those movies are more destination stories, I mean, the bulk of Madagascar, the bulk of the wild, is them uh, being, they're about these characters adapting to new environments, right? Back to the Outback differentiates itself by being more of a road trip movie, right? It's focusing almost entirely on the adventure to get to the Outback, rather than the characters having to figure themselves once they're at the Outback, if you get what I mean. The story in its briefest summary is about four animals escaping the deadly creatures exhibit in the Sydney Zoo in uh, Australia. They are a taipan snake named Maddie, a funnel web spider named Frank, a marbled scorpion named uh, Nigel, and a thorny devil named Zoe. On their way out, they accidentally kidnap the star animal of the zoo, an internationally adored koala named Pretty Boy, uh, who despite being very cute, is something of a spoiled egomaniac. <laughs> uh, with the help of numerous misunderstood creatures along the way, the five characters uh, try their try to make their way to the outback, all while avoiding the zoo, the zookeeper's wildlife expert, uh, Chaz, and his son Chazzy. Chaz is played by Eric Bana. Um, Story-wise, it's pretty much like your typical road trip adventure movie. The core group confronts one location-based obstacle at a time while learning to grow together as a team. Uh, out of the five you spend the most time with, um, you really get attached mostly to Maddie and Pretty Boy. The other three are perfectly fine, but they struggle to break out of like very surface-level caricatures. In this department, I feel like they could have taken more from Madagascar, actually, um, as the team... The, Look, the team in Madagascar, they definitely played off of archetypes, right? But you felt like you really got to know them a little more over the course of the movie. Um, I wish that they had done that with this. But there's just so much going on, I understand why they didn't. Uh, Maddie is the leader of the group and kind of a bright-eyed opt optimist, while Pretty Boy, or, or PB, as they call him over the course of the movie, um is the pessimist that really kind of wants to leave at every opportunity. <laughs> uh, that's about as universally standard as character dynamics get, but I'll admit, it's fun to see these two work off each other and slowly garner respect for one another. There's also a surprising amount of... There's several occasions where the zany kid, like, kid-friendly one-liners and hijinks are just stopped, and the two characters just speak to one another, which is very oddly refreshing, at least for animation, in or children's animation, I think. Um, and it's not like it's, it's not like they're talking about their, you know, trauma or anything like that, but it gets kind of close, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Um, 
But the obvious standout for me is Eric Bana and his character Chaz, who not only gets all of the funniest gags and jokes, but weirdly enough kind of becomes the hero, at least for me, pretty early on in the movie. Like, he's supposed to be the bad guy, but he's just trying to do his job, and also, like, trying to make his son proud. The, the moments between him and his boy are kind of heartwarming, and, like, look, I have a lot of respect for a movie that takes the time to develop its antagonist well past a cliched baddie, all the way to, like, a really relatable and redeemable character. I don't know, I thought it was really impressive. The animation didn't feel particularly noteworthy, I'll say that. Uh, the character designs department did a pretty good job making these creepy crawlers look adorable, but look, it's also not, like, unbelievably difficult to just slap a pair of big eyes and little features on a snake or a scorpion and make it cute. That might be me being too harsh, I'm not an animator, but I don't know. There are also some exciting sequences. Um, the action sequence at the end in the third uh, end of the third act is particularly like exciting and well paced, but otherwise the rest of it is par for the course. There's a sewer pipe sequence that's sort of it's like they're surfing. I don't know. You've seen that a lot in in, in movies. It kind of like flushed away or something like that. Um, and I thought they could have done more with that. They could have been a little bit more ambitious. Maybe they didn't have the time. There's also a couple of character designs that just rubbed me the wrong way, and I don't know how else to articulate that. There's, like, a shark with barnacles all over her teeth, and, like, the barnacles are alive and wiggle out whenever she smiles. Like, it's played off as disgusting, as a disgusting thing, but at least for me, it was, like, vaguely horrifying to watch. <laughs> That's a little dramatic, but I don't know, you would watch it and it's gonna run, it's definitely gonna creep you out a little bit. Um, there's also this toad that Keith Urban randomly plays that I just, I hated every minute of. And I, I like Keith Urban, I think he's got a great singing voice, he hardly sings in this movie, so it feels odd that they utilized him. Um, and I can't explain why I hated it other than just this is a really ugly-looking frog, or toad, and I did not I did not want to see its stupid face any longer than I needed to. That's all I can say. Um, uh, the only other complaint I have, and this is more of, like, my nitty, like, nitpicky kind of story structure biases, but, like, the movie really comes up with every contrivance it can to keep Pretty Boy with the group. Like, I get that they wrote themselves into a corner because it's important for the, all the character dynamics and arcs that the four other animals do not like Pretty Boy, and he definitely hates them. But, like, there are so many opportunities where they could have just left each other. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they could leave each other behind, and the plot just makes them stay together. There's a moment where they're trying to escape onto a bus, and Pretty Boy is knocked out, so they just drag him along with them while they run after the bus, and there's a brief moment where they're, they lose him, only to have him, like, randomly bounce back to them, and they all act disappointed, which I get is a joke, but, like, you were just dragging him! Like, you were just dragging him behind with you two minutes ago! You could have left him there! <laughs> I don't know. Stuff like that annoys me. Um... If you, want, if you want them to be stuck together, sit down and think of a real reason why they have to be stuck together, you know? Um, but look, it could be just because I had low expectations, but the movie ended up surprising me, and I had, half a, I had a halfway decent time watching it. It's not perfect. Um, there are plenty of aspects that feel cliched and undeveloped, but 
You can tell this movie was made with a truckload of love and passion and they care about and care by the creatives. It's a family-friendly movie with uh, some tiny little gems hidden amongst the story that we've seen before, but that doesn't it doesn't feel boring or uninspired. Um I'm going to give it a 3 out of 5. How about that? Okay, okay. We're moving on, moving on. Um I'm going to give you my pick of the week, um which was I don't know why it took me so long to get to this, because I'm sure you guys are going to roll your eyes like, oh man, like, I'm, Ephraim, of course you like this show, but I watched the first season of Final Space this week, uh, created by Olan Rogers, it's developed by Olan Rogers and David Sachs, and it stars Olan Rogers and David Tennant and Cody Galloway, Stephen Yoon, Tika Sumter, Fred Armisen, and Tom Kenny. Guys, this show is great! Like, and I, I know it's only going to get better. Um, it's been nominated for a bunch of stuff. I really, really like it. Um, I know, like, I remember seeing it the first time and I was a little, a little turned off by the ads for it just because I thought it looked, I thought it looked a lot like a lot of other things going on. And I kind of confused it a bit for that, um, that Star Trek show, which I know people seem to like. I, I wasn't crazy about it. Maybe I should give it another chance, but I gotta say, I, you really start to love these characters. Um, for those who don't, who don't know, uh, Final Space is about a guy named Gary. He's an astronaut that is sent to prison in space because of some mishaps that go on while he tries to hit on a girl in the Galactic Federation. Um, I don't think that's what it's called, but it, it's essentially that. Um, so he goes, he gets launched out into space... And while he's finishing up his five-year prison sentence, he kind of discovers a, um, a little alien buddy. He's very cute. You've seen him in all the poster art and whatnot. His name is Mooncake, or that's what they call him. Um, he's just a cute little green orb um, with immense power, right? And while he's trying to protect uh, Mooncake by, from this, <laughs> this guy who's voiced... I didn't realize it was David Tennant until I looked it up afterwards. Um... But the the galactic like the Lord Emperor, right? Um, he's this like <laughs> I think at one point they describe him as like a tic tac looking little guy. Um, again, like kind of cutesy, but like super intimidating and scary at the same time. He's this all powerful psychic wizard space guy or whatever. Um, he's off to try and um, get Mooncake um, because he will he can use him to kind of cure himself from this mysterious illness that's plaguing him, right? And along the way, Gary and Mooncake team up with all sorts of fun people. There's a cat guy named Avocado. There's the girl that he tried to pick up way back when. Her name is uh, Gwyn. Um, um, and, like, it's just really fun character dynamics. It's so clearly derived from, like, one creative's vision, which is Olan Rogers, who, like, he does all the voice work and stuff like that and writing and i really admire when somebody can have that clear-cut like vision and passion behind a project and it really works the it, it's not just it's not just like this goofy little space adventure where the guy's constantly speaking in this weird way like gary talks a lot in funny weird analogies and stuff like that and it can get grating in the beginning but it weirdly warms up to you at least for me it did um, and, like, it hits those serious moments, too, because, like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm a big snob, but I like when, uh, when, I like when a show does something serious or kind of surprising and, and heartwarming or, or shocking and kind of sad, and 
Spinal Space hits those moments really well. Um, I really recommend that you can, if you watch it, it's on HBO Max, if you can hit it up. I'm sure it's somewhere else, too, or floating ar around um, for purchase on digital. Uh, anyway, yeah, I would recommend this week you check out Final Space. Uh, that's that, and I think I'm going to conclude it up here. Here we go. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Animation Podcast. Be sure to like this episode of the Animation Podcast and subscribe. You can find more of my work on Filmbook. That's film-book.com. Just search for the uh, E from Bernie or the Animation Podcast. You can also find me on Twitter at Frumblers or on Instagram at Ephraim underscore Burning. And if you would like to contact us, you can email us at podcast at film-book.com with the animation podcast in the subject line. And that's it for the episode today, but it's also it for 2021. And guys, I, you know, I say this every time. I say it. I said it at Thanksgiving, so it feels like I'm, I'm just mushy all the time. But I really, really appreciate you guys watching and liking or commenting and all that stuff, just that you come back every week and check it out means, it really does mean the world to me in a lot of ways. I'm very thankful that I get to do this job and that, I, and that I've discovered this, this world um, this year. And I hope to continue to do it through the next year. I really, I, I can't tell you how much, somebody, somebody play old Lang Syne in the background. Um, <laughs> I, I really, I can't tell you what it means to me. I think that that next year is going to be really exciting for animation. And look, we've all had some tough times. It's tough again right now <laughs> with with Omicron and whatnot. But animation really meant the world to me, and it means it continues to mean the world to me. And I'm I'm so glad that I get to talk about it with you guys. And I hope that it feels like this is you know this is fun, and that this is something that we can continue to do. I hope that I get to continue to do it for you guys. Um, you know, um, film book has been great to me. Um, and guys, just have a happy holiday. I hope you've already had a great Christmas. And have a happy new year, right? I'll see you in 2022. We've got big plans. I've got a lot of big plans for us. Uh, Epic Voice Man, uh, take me away. Take me to 2022, baby. Thanks for listening to the Animation Podcast. Find more of the Animation Podcast on Filmbook, on your favorite podcast service, and on YouTube.